You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. everyone and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities and solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. So Bangladesh Bank was uh, a watershed moment for the, the financial industry. That's Dr. Adrian Nish, head of cyber threat intelligence at BAE Systems. His team has been tracking a new cyber-enabled bank heist in Asia. Some of the tools used are reminiscent of the Bangladesh Bank attack from February 2016. It was a case where attackers had managed to do an APT-style intrusion uh, both into the bank and then into their payment system. And rather than, than a classical APT case of uh, stealing information, this was all about stealing money. So the attackers, when they were on the, the payment system, attempted to transfer about 950 million US dollars uh, from Bangladesh Bank's account in the Federal Reserve in, in New York to accounts in Sri Lanka and the Philippines. Not all of that was successful. They got about 81 million US dollars. Uh, but the other interesting thing was they deployed uh, quite sophisticated malware to cover their tracks. So basically tampering with the uh, the local uh, SWIFT server that the, the bank were using uh, in order to delete the evidence efficiently and, uh, and basically cover up their tracks. Uh, and this was the first time we or others in the community had seen anything like this deployed. And it, it was, a, I guess, a forewarning for, for what was to come in the, in the months uh, going forward from that. And this was attributed to the Lazarus Group. What can you tell us about them? The name uh, Lazarus is one that came from a, a white paper that was uh, released last year, which, which detailed this threat actor that's been in operation probably about a decade. Uh, and they've got a long history of attacks against South Korea, 
but also some high-profile cases, such as the Sony Pictures attack in, in 2014. Uh, Sony Pictures were, were, of course, producing a movie in 2014, depicted the assassination of uh, North Korean leader, uh, and this group got into Sony Pictures' network, destroyed a large number of, of machines across the network, and released sensitive emails in order to, to embarrass their executives. Uh, the group has since been linked to attacks on, uh, for example, media companies in the UK, plus, of course, the, the string of um, bank intrusions and uh, cyber heist activity. We don't have any smoking gun evidence about who's behind it, but uh, you know, the links back to North Korea are certainly significant. And so when did this new attack first come on your radar? We heard about this, um, uh, I believe it was the 6th of October, so just a few days after the uh, attack happened, uh, initial reports came out in uh, local media in Taiwan uh, about a, uh, a bank having suffered a heist and, and also then uh, ransomware being deployed on, on the bank's network. And I guess over the, the, the days after that, it became a bit more clear that, again, this had involved a uh, attack on the, the local SWIFT system within uh, SEIB, the, the bank in Taiwan, and, uh, and and the ransomware component had actually been just a, a cover-up or a distraction for, uh, for that attack uh, against the SWIFT system. So take us through step-by-step. Step. What did you all discover here? Well, like in, in the case of uh, Bangladesh, we, we weren't actually hired to, to do the uh, investigation. How we uh, got the evidence was through uh, samples of malware that had been uploaded to uh, malware repositories, so virustotal.com. So somebody in, uh, in, in Taiwan doing the investigation uploaded these to, to check if they get detected by antivirus. And once they're uploaded, they're available for researchers. So we had some filters and did some searches, were able to identify this, this malware that had been uploaded, linked it back to, to Taiwan and, and pulled it apart to understand exactly what had, what had gone on. So describe for us what are some of the uh, bits of malware that you found? So there's, there's kind of two main components. There's uh, this ransomware component that, that I, I mentioned earlier. And, and this it isn't very interesting. It's, it's very typical sort of ransomware. And, we're still not sure if it's something the attackers have coded or perhaps they've uh, they purchased it online. Um, and in, basically, they, they hard-coded the credentials, administrator credentials for uh, the bank's network into the malware and used it to spread across the, uh, across the network. Uh, and we think it's just a smokescreen. So after uh, they've done the, the bank heist, they, they send this malware uh, across the network, creates a lot of noise, distracts the, uh, the local security team uh, and gives the attackers more time to get away with the uh, money laundering aspect of the heist. Uh, and then the second components are, are what link it back to this uh, Lazarus threat group. So these were um, uh, remote access tools which we'd seen in other activity in cases we'd investigated last year and indeed a case this year in, in Poland which we were also able to link back to, to the Lazarus group. Probably just used for remote access, but, but almost certainly part of this, uh, this bank heist. So can you describe to us uh, what did these uh, files contain? Uh, so the ransomware component basically has um, a, a dropper, so this is what's used to load the, the ransomware and also helps it to spread across the network, so it's got the, the hard-coded credentials. The ransomware itself will pop up a message uh, demanding payment in Bitcoin, very similar to, to other ransomwares that we've, uh, we've investigated. 
the interesting thing with the remote access tool that we, we investigated uh, is that it actually contains commands that are uh, written in uh, Russian language. Uh, and we think this is a false flag uh, by the attackers, so there's no good reason to use these particular words. They uh, they put them in probably to, to try and mislead researchers. Uh, we're pretty confident, though, that the, the code links back to the, the Lazarus threat group. And so in terms of uh, being able to uh, get in and uh, infiltrate the SWIFT system, what was going on there? There's not a lot in, in the public domain about exactly what happened, and, and it may be that more information comes to light as the investigation unfolds. But what we'd assume is something similar to um, what happened in Bangladesh, which is that yeah, the attackers would have had administrator-level credentials, and, and we know that they did. We can see that in the, uh, in the ransomware. And with these admin credentials, they can move on to the, the SWIFT server, uh, assuming there's no uh, segregation in the network, uh, so they can use those credentials to access the, the environment. And then in Bangladesh, what they did was they actually subverted some of the payment systems. So rather than just using the legitimate functionality that's there, they used those administrator credentials to actually modify parts of the, uh, of the software that's running, use this to, to subvert it, uh, send the payments, cover up the, the evidence of what happened. This group is also pretty efficient at uh, deleting evidence after themselves, so they, they, uh, they'll often use uh, cleanup tools to, to hamper the, the forensic investigation, so wiping out some of their previous malware, some of their log files, uh, deleting event logs, all this, sort of, all this sort of stuff. And have they been successful in getting away with the cash? It doesn't seem so. Um, the, the bank, to their credit, they, uh, they must have realized that the, the ransomware was a smokescreen and... Uh, and that the cyber heist was, in fact, the, the real attack. We don't know exactly what happened, but we, we would imagine they got in touch with the beneficiary banks where the, the money had been sent to uh, and had the money frozen before anybody was able to move it. Interestingly, um, there were reports in the public domain of uh, an individual in Sri Lanka who was arrested attempting to, uh, to cash out some of the, the money. Now, we don't believe that this is necessarily one of the, the kingpins behind the uh, attack. It's, it's possible that uh, this individual was being uh, manipulated by the, the real attackers, uh, a, a so-called money mule to, uh, uh, or intermediary to move the money. So what are your recommendations uh, to help uh, people protect against this sort of thing? So lots of uh, usual security hardening um, recommendations, such as controlling admin access, segregating networks, plus some kind of longer-term recommendations around pen testing, using the techniques that these attackers are, are, are known to deploy, uh, and also looking at uh, SWIFT's customer security program. So there are uh, 27 controls uh, program, uh, which all banks who are using um, SWIFT systems will have to attest to by the end of the year. The recommendations are based off of uh, real attacks that have been investigated and the findings and are very useful advice for uh, organizations that, that, that need to harden their environments now. I was interested, um, one of the bits of malware that you analyzed contained um, a polyglot file. Can you describe to us what that is and, and how that worked? Yeah, so uh, the attackers in um, the ransomware component, they have this two-stage, so a, a dropper or spreader, which is used to spread the malware around the network, and that uses the, the hard-coded admin credentials. 
uh, and then it loads the payload. And the payload they've uh, obfuscated within a, uh, a bitmap image. So again, it's probably unnecessary to, to do it. it, it the, the malware author may believe this makes analysis more more difficult, and, and it, that's probably true in the case of automated analysis systems, but a uh, skilled malware analyst will, will easily be able to spot that this wasn't a legitimate bitmap, and they can they can pull the, um, the payla- payload out of the, the file from there. In terms of uh, the sophistication of this group, um, what's your estimation? How sophisticated are they? Yeah, this is always a difficult point to rate attackers on, on sophistication. I, I would say they've got strengths and weaknesses. Uh, certainly some of their strengths are how they clean up the evidence after themselves. They, they seem to put a lot of effort into deleting uh, both their own malware from the system, any logs, any output, plus any, like I said, event logs or other uh, artifacts from, from disk. However, they, they don't use zero-day exploits. Uh, they don't use rootkit malware. There are elements of their attack that are, are, are quite clever and make it difficult to uh, investigate. There are other aspects that, that are more basic by comparison to maybe higher nation-state actors. Our thanks to Dr. Adrian Nish for joining us. You can find the complete report about the Taiwan heist and the Lazarus tools and ransomware on the BAE Systems Threat Research blog. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Listeners, we're always looking for ways to improve the N2K CyberWire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey and share your feedback now.